Welcome to One News Inside Parliament. It's recess week here at Parliament, but has been busy nonetheless. And uh, we're really getting into policy season in the lead up to the election, which is very exciting. And we've got some good ones to discuss with you this week. Ko Lillian Hanley tōku I'm Lillian Hanley, the One News political producer. And with me to discuss all this are the most quirky and wholesome of New Zealand political reporting. I'm Benedict Collins. Oh, stop it. I'm Kishla Norman. <laughs> we will also have Jessica Much Mackay joining us very shortly. Um, first up, hot off the press, uh, we have entered an official technical recession. That's Kushla. right. So two, that is two quarters of negative growth. So last quarter at the end of last year, that was a 0.7 decline. Now by the slimmest of margins, probably much too... Uh, the delight, well, maybe not delight necessarily, but it definitely gives them political fodder, the opposition. We've slipped into um, another quarter of negative growth, 0.1%. Um, and the political parties have been pretty quick to react to this. So you had ACT issuing a statement, the afterpay economy. They always, I mean, to give them credit, they do use pretty colourful, yes, interesting it's a language. Jab. It's a clever jab. And then we had... Um, national the red light recession and the greens also getting in on it saying look this is going to really affect people on low incomes and this is all the more reason they're saying that they need um this income what is it guarantee scheme that you mm. covered benedict yeah well, and we'll get into that later do you do, do i think we probably need to dive into lots more other things but do you want to tell us what does it actually mean is this gonna you know is this gonna radically change things should we stop buying coffee is that what the idea is or well, it is interesting that um, in some of the finer print they're saying that um, consumer spending, particularly for groceries, um, has gone down. But um, in regards to international travel, that was actually leading um, consumer spending. Mm. But the, the government, um, they've also put out a release this morning saying, look, this is basically because of the, the cyclone and the rebuild. So they're hanging uh, the causes of this on on that. Mm. All right, thanks for that little recap, Benedict. You want some? You want to add something on the economy? So, a little touch on well, GDP. Not so much, but from negative growth to negative New Zealanders. I was just going to touch quickly. <laughs> Great on, segue. What a segue. <laughs> on some comments that uh, the National Party leader Christopher Luxon found himself uh, in a little bit of hot water for earlier this week. He was out on the farm um, announcing Nationals' plans. Uh, to keep farmers once again out of the emissions trading scheme. And uh, he, he was basically chatting to a bunch of farmers um, before he did his media stand-up and then again afterwards about how things were going. And uh, he made the comment to one of them that New Zealand, um, that we've become a very negative, wet, whiny, inward-looking country. And he said we needed to get our mojo back. Now, when he was, uh, um, the Prime Minister was asked about this in postcard, but he said, well, geez, that makes a uh, change from Christopher Luxon running us down when he's overseas to actually running us down uh, in Aotearoa. Now, Christopher Luxon the next day was trying to do a little backpedalling on this, saying, oh, no, no, even though I may have said we're a very negative, wet, whiny, inward-looking country. I didn't mean that. I meant the Labour government is very negative, wet, whiny, and inward-looking. Anyway... <coughs> 
Um, we just so, wanted to touch on that so, briefly. You've really taken my whole peak from me, Benedict. This was my peak. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens when we just freestyle Lillian. Anyway, you'll be able to make up something else on the hoof. What what I thought was interesting about that, he copped a lot of flack for it, and you know his you know his explanations were pretty disingenuous there. I I, I thought, um, but to be fair to him. I listened to a lot of the comments that he that the farmers were making to him. They were really and, frustrated. And, well, yeah, they were very negative, um, and, and they were pretty whiny. You know, they were complaining about interest rates. They were saying, that, you know, farming has never been in such a tough uh, p- position. You know, inflation, uh, commodity inflation, prices, yeah, environmental regulation. All of them were, were very negative about the state that New Zealand is in, and saying that they've never had to do it so tough. Um, so I, I guess you know, if you are in that kind of environment where where New Zealanders are very, um, uh, very whiny and negative. Perhaps you know that's where his kind of comments come it, from. It may not pay, play necessarily badly for him, you know, because, um, and this is what I've noticed national do is they try and that well they say that this is a very sort of trendy I think political phrase at the moment that this government is gaslighting New Zealanders, making out things are all fine, all gee, no worries. Yeah, um, whereas we're the party that's listening to you. We know how you feel. We're going to tell it like it is. And it's negative, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's be real about actually how bad things are. But I, Sorry, just quickly, I have noticed um, on Walkabouts with Christopher Luxon, he, he's pretty sort of projects optimism and he's quite enthusiastic jovial. when he meets people. He's quite very, jovial. Very, very polite of, too on any stand-up as quite well. Quite a lot of um, chit-chat. He asks quite a few questions. He seems quite interested in people. But I do notice he straddles this difficult position between um, optimism and um, pessimism. Mm. And he often is saying, we're the best country in the world, but we've got a lot of problems that we need to fix. And I think in this hot mic clip, he we we heard more of the negativity than, yeah. But like, let's let's be realistic here, right? You, you're the leader of the opposition. You can't really do anything as the leader of the opposition, except criticise the government. So it is, it is easy it is, to come across as negative yeah. and, you know, always, always criticising, because that's kind of your job. Which is also interesting. There was a RNZ um, investigative sort of uh, report this week from Guy and Espiner uh, and Farrah Hancock, really interesting kind of a, a an analysis of of wording basically, and they've looked back at hours and hours of recordings of um, the leaders' interviews, media interviews every week, and actually Luxon came out on top as the most chipper. He they oh. they they analysed his <laughs> words. He's the real Mister Chippy. They said in their headline, in the sense that he his was the most positive, despite actually yes. You know, normally you'd think the leader of the opposition's job is to say why it's so negative. Well, it's funny that you say that because I also heard him, heard him getting roasted um, through that series of reports um, for nonstop kind of corporate speak as well. That's right. right. Uh, That's always right. using kind of corporate jargon. Blah, 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 and, you know, he, he really did um, have an analyst put the boot, him in, boot into him over that. Yeah. Yes, very interesting. I've actually just realised that you didn't steal my peak. You've left a little golden nugget. That oh, that's go. why <laughs> it was a funny comment. But we'll return to that. But um, you did make the point around uh, yeah these conversations with farmers, and it is field days. It's still happening. I think currently ACT is actually announcing their agriculture policy at field days. National released theirs earlier this week. Uh, Kushla, you covered that off. Any kind of highlights that we need to know about? Well, what. National is going for here is they're giving farmers a huge reprieve, another five years where they will not be paying for their greenhouse gas emissions. And farming makes up, it's the biggest contributor to our greenhouse gas production here in New Zealand. 
Um, the current rule legislation says that if Hewaka Ekanoa, this partnership between farmers and the government on setting a pricing scheme doesn't work out, then the fallback option is they're in the ETS in 2025. Yep. Hewaka Ekanoa has been going for like five or six years. It sort of is, is well, Christopher Luxon has one interpretation of how it's going. He calls it, it's been, he used quite farming Blowing language. Up. Blown Blowing up, up shot to pieces. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then um, Federated Farmers calls it asleep. The government's a little bit more optimistic, saying they're still at the table. Anyway, what National has done here is said, if we get into power, we're not going to put... We're not going to put you in the ETS at all, farmers, and we'll set our own pricing scheme, not until 2030, though. So this was met with um, positive reaction from the farming sector, of course. Um, The other thing that they're really relying on here, though, is technology. So some quite um, interesting sort of tools like, like seaweed. So seaweed could potentially... Um, be a methane inhibitor. I remember going down to Nelson and doing some stories on this. It's being developed um, at the Cawthron Institute, and it's I think it's the red type of seaweed. But it is it's showing some promise, but potentially like a long way off because you have to harvest the stuff, you have to dry the stuff, you have to maybe then put it into little pellets. I'm really getting sidetracked here. I know on seaweed. <laughs> it's very event. interesting, though. But it I is, mean, it seaweed is very is interesting, useful. but. It's hard to say if it will be a silver bullet. Really, there is nothing out there. Scientists are saying, Ralph Sims, who we interviewed, said there's there's really nothing out there right now that would significantly reduce methane reductions. But this is sort of what National is is hanging on to, the the hope of technology, um, which brings in their uh, GE policy as well, that they want to sort of open that up. Yeah. So, yeah. but that's the thing. Sort of lots of lots of talk of policy um, this week, agriculture policy in particular. And I just want to, I do want to touch on field days because you've sort of mentioned it. Like it's quite a big political event of the year, isn't it? Like the political parties always take a big opel group with them, uh, and they go to field days and they kind of try and have these conversations. And actually, I think you said in your story. Um, Last night, was it pretend to be farmers or pretend to, you know, like sort of the try to kind of mix in naturally perhaps after, you know, lots of tense discussions over the year. Why is Field Day such an important event, Benedict? Well, as a um, former rural journalist, I've um, covered many a Field Days over the years. You know, I mean, it used to be, I imagine it still is, a big opportunity for farmers to buy new equipment to check out the latest gear. There's just hectare after hectare of um, you know stalls offering the latest um, agricultural equipment. Um, you know whether it's checking out the newest tractors, stuff like that. There's also heaps of rural entertainment. They used to have tractor races and mm. um, chainsaw um, or wood wood chopping. It, um, Exhibitions and all that stuff. It's like a huge rural event, right? It takes like four months to set up as well. I was watching a piece on Seven Sharp. Incredible. I mean, 140,000 people pass through this place in four days. Yeah. 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 And and so it's just a huge, it's like the biggest event in the New Zealand Mm. rural calendar, right? So. Yeah, every political party wants wants to kind of be there and you know getting on 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 board with the farmers. And is that because simply because that vote is so important? Well, 
in 2020, you had the red wave, right? And some, not definitely not all, but there were there were some rural voters that turned blue to red, right? Um, I'd imagine Labor will. Of course, huge. Like areas that had never gone um, to Labour before flipped yeah, over to Labour, right? Like Joe Luxon's seat from Labour. Yeah, you look at um, Wairarapa, you know, yeah. um, Kieran McAnulty took that out. Just lots of seats mm. like that. You would have New Plymouth, um, really rural seats kind of went um, to Labour when you wouldn't have thought they would have, right? Traditionally. Yeah, traditionally mm. national heartland, but ACT is really, really gaining some ground in, in the area. Poaching Andrew Hoggard recently, quite an interesting move. And uh, they are saying they're the legitimate voice of farmers. Then you have Labour saying we're for all New Zealanders, including farmers. So this could be quite telling, I suppose, this year, how that shakes up again. Just to mention, I guess, too, the interesting conversation around this with this morning, the primary export numbers coming out and they're being, you know, higher than forecast. Uh, so this, you know, being a kind of a real bonus for the government, but also, a, a you know, a telling tail in the sense that that industry is really important in terms of our GDP, our economy. And so that kind of conversation being quite tense as well around how to balance that as the government. And also, I suppose, many New Zealanders would like to see a bit of a shift away from that, the the sort of just transition that has been proposed and how do we do that, basically. All right. Any more comments on farmers? Benedict, you've been to a f- few field days, haven't you? I've been, been to plenty, but I also got to cover um, at the weekend something not so um, related to farmers, um, but something which would be of interest to um, everyone in the farming community, I think, uh, and that was the Green Party's proposal to introduce a wealth tax. So basically the way it would work is if you're a couple um, and you had $4 million in, in assets, they'd, you know, paid off assets, not if you had big mortgages over stuff, um, they'd bring in a, in a wealth tax of 2.5%. They also had some other proposals, like uh, lifting the top tax rate up to $0.45. Cents. That's um, it's at 39 I think, at the moment, from people over 180000 They'd also put up the um, corporate tax rate as well, um, up to, I think, $0.33 cents in the dollar. And they basically said, look, we, we would bring in... So much extra money by making these um, tax changes that we would be able to lift every single family that's in poverty out of poverty in New Zealand. By 2025, was that the metric, I believe? Soon, very soon. Yeah, let's go with soon. Um, And and so they thought this um, would make a huge difference. And and they basically, they were referring to that research that came out recently about the wealthiest New Zealanders not paying as much tax as ordinary New Zealanders. In fact, a a much lower tax rate. So they're saying this would help um, uh, rebalance things. It's part of the story that I did on Sunday. I talked to... um, he like uh, he's an author on and he looks at tax and inequality, Max, Max Rushbrook, and he he was saying I thought this was kind of interesting because I, I don't do a huge amount of kind of like tax stories and stuff like that, and he was saying look New Zealand compared to other countries overseas we're, we're kind of a bit out of step with them because we don't have a proper capital gains tax we don't have wealth taxes things like that so that so the, the wealthy New Zealanders in in, in our country. Aren't really there's not really a lot expected of them in terms of paying tax, and then sort of a disproportionate amount of the weight does fall 
well, on your lower income New Zealanders in, turn of pay, in terms of paying their tax. Uh, and he said, you know, he, he thought this wealth tax could be a, a sort of step in the um, in the right direction, make things a little bit fairer in New Zealand. Now, we did ask uh, Christopher Luxon that day whether he'd be prepared to um, pay a bit more tax if it meant lifting New Zealanders out of poverty, and he said we shouldn't have to. And he he went you know to the National Party's view very quickly, and that is that we don't have a tax problem in New Zealand, we have a spending problem. The government's spending way too much money, and if they weren't spending so much money, you know, it, we our tax system was was pretty much fine. So yeah, interesting idea there. And of course, um, as I as I um, noted on on Sunday night, um, the, the problem for the Greens is that uh, is that in politics size matters, um, and they spend a lot of their time in their conference, and they've been saying a lot this year to anyone who will listen that you know if they really want to get green policies over the line, they need more green MPs, and they'd only remember back to the last election where Jacinda Ardern took their last wealth tax proposal, um, screwed it up, and threw it in the bin. Right. So I was wanting to know, is the wealth tax a bottom line for the Greens in potential coalition negotiations, or they didn't go there? Because Labour, if they're going going to get elected, are going to need the Greens, right? Well, yeah, so Chris Hipkins is saying that Labour will kind of put out their tax policy pretty soon, and they will let New Zealanders know, you know, when it comes to capital gains taxes, wealth taxes, where they stand and what they would be getting after the election. Um, he's going to put out right when they announce their tax the policy. The Labour Party's tax policy. They're going to put their sort yeah, of bottom He's going to make lines. it very clear what they would do, what they wouldn't do, mm. and so which is interesting, right? Because like you say, you mentioned Ardern, you know, ruling out the wealth tax, but she did that quite late in the piece. Yeah, the whereas he's he, he's promising they'll come out early. Everyone will know exactly where they stand. Should should you vote for a Labour slash Green government? He will be telling you what's in, what's out, well before the election. So, yeah, I imagine... Uh, and the Greens didn't say that this would be a bottom line um, for them. But there are a few interesting things in there, right? Like, it's it's a, a, it's a fairly palatable uh, policy. If you looked at if you're kind of, you know, middle New Zealand, as has been used to describe many people, um, the, the idea that, you know, everyone under 125k is going to get a tax cut a essentially. That that affects a lot of people. You also are going to they're saying that they'd introduced uh, they'd introduce a tax free threshold uh, of 10,000. That's, you know, we don't have that. Australia has something like that, I believe. And um, you were just looking and you were researching I was just researching actually just for a comparison who else what has policy that. Yeah. is. So they don't have a threshold, but they they're going to work towards two tax rates basically. If you're earning under 70k, 17 If you're earning above 70k, 28%. Right. So that really brings it down to just two. Mm. two yeah, okay. and, yeah. And I think some people would say um, they didn't find the Greens announcement um, particularly palatable at all, including Sir Ian Taylor, who wrote an <laughs> open letter to Chloe Swarbrick saying um, he was he's pretty annoyed with the way that the Greens are talking about people um, who have money in trusts. And the examples. He, he gave was of, of people setting up businesses like he had um, who have to basically use their house as collateral or as as the guarantee with the mm. banks and when um, when things get tough with your businesses you know your house is on the line that house has got your whole family in it so a lot of people especially business um, people trying to set up businesses stuff like that will put their homes and assets into a trust so that it's protected um, in case they're 
business goes belly up. And hey, look, lots of businesses do. So he was sort of having a crack back at, at the Greens there for the way that they're talking about people who have assets in these trusts and saying, look, they, they should be aware that you know people in the you know private sector who do pay a lot of tax and do set up successful businesses and employ lots of people will often use those as a vehicle to, to protect their families. And that's, I mean, that's what I mean, in the sense that actually I think this policy, is it's interesting because it will be praised by a lot of people, but but it also opens them up to criticism with a lot of people. Um, but it, but it's kind of the big, the Greens' f- first big set piece of the year, mm. right? And it's really putting or laying, where, you know, where they stand on the table yep. and giving Labour the opportunity to either, you know, meet them halfway or a quarter way or three quarter way, depending on how that kind of... And it's just interesting, we were talking about it before in the office with Jess, um, how, as you say, Green's first major policy. Um, The opposition, though, has been going hell for leather with the policy. Nationals put out 16. This year. Uh, I don't know if it's this year, but 16 pre-election policies. I mean, maybe I'm thinking some of them could have like been to dated AGM back and to stuff last year. They announced late last year. There but part yeah. of the kind of election, yeah, mm. you yeah. know, heading to an election type. And Labour, have we heard any from them? I suppose well, there's their annual their conference um, announcements yeah, around the, the super um, age. And, yeah. Oh yeah, and ruling um, out yeah. the retirement age the, going um, up. Yeah, down, down to. Yes, super but, keeping that at 65 on, and yeah. move it down to two-year-olds for... On, um, on the issue yeah. of taxes, it's just interesting, right? And the, and that kind of issue around, uh, you know, they Minister Parker puts out this big report and yet <laughs> they kind of don't really do anything on it. They say, you know, we're putting this report out here, but we're not going to do anything about it until we announce our election tax policy. But then they did do a little tweak in the budget. So they're like, oh, no, no, we are doing something about it. It's not just putting a report there not to be used. But actually it's the Greens who have come out with their fine lines. I do believe that we're still waiting for National's full tax policy, but certainly Labour nowhere to be seen. So I think it, this actually puts a bit more pressure on them to, to come to the table with their tax policy, which actually I thought you're, you're live uh, on, that, on the evening of that announcement just highlighting uh, Robertson's statement in response is that, yep, it's coming. <laughs> yeah. Which doesn't really tell us much no, at all. Labor did also point out that, that recently, that remember, they made that tax change where they brought um, income held in trusts up to that. Yeah, that was in the budget. Mm. Up, yeah, up yeah. to that top um, thirty-nine cent tax rate because they had noticed people were moving more assets into into trusts rather than paying that higher tax rate mm. on it. So they did point out that they had made that um, decision recently. You are right, Kush. Though National has definitely been coming kind of thick and fast. Do you think? Because I think uh, I remember when uh, Christopher Luxon either first became leader or sometime last year was they had this kind of idea that they were like, you know, National wants to oppose and propose. And for a long time, they were doing a lot of opposing and not a lot of proposing. Yeah. Do you think that this is kind of, you know, we, we kind of know where they stand now a lot more than we did perhaps And there's still a lot of repealing um, going on in their, in their policy, like we will, or, or bringing back things. Um, so is there a lot of brand new ideas? Um, there's, there's a lot of tinkering, you know, and actually some of them do have quite similar sort of almost mirror image policies like Family Boost, you know, their 75% child um, care rebate. And then at the budget, um, Labor put out their version of that, which has found some fish hooks. So I think... 
think, you know, National had come under quite a lot of criticism, criticism where are their policies. I think that they can say, we've got policy now, mm. for sure. Yeah. Before uh, we move to our pits and peaks, I just want to acknowledge it is the very special and highly intelligent Krishla Norman's last week in the gallery before Mikey returns from maternity leave. I um, want to say what an absolute pleasure it's been to have you with us uh, and you will be very missed. In fact, I think we might have to get you back on the podcast at times just to get your insights during election year. What do you say? Hey, sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) Benedict? Just before we go now, uh, we, we did say at the start of the podcast, Jessica Much McCoy was going to be joining right. us. Um, she did gonna, very briefly <laughs> join us. And then um, Nicola we, Willis at the National Party announced that she was having a um, stand-up over at Parliament. And so Jess very um, quietly exited stage left. Thank you for highlighting me. I was going to do that, but thanks for doing my job for me. Thank you. Um, my pit uh, and peak, I'll start. My peak is the Prime Minister taking the chance for an absolute zinger directed at Christopher Luxon at Field Days yesterday. So with no prompt and in reference to uh, Benedict's discussion around the wet, whiny, negative comments, um, Hipkins wasn't even really asked about that at all, but he just took the opportunity uh, to say, in reference to Luxon, you know, uh, you know I, ha- I haven't seen anything negative, I haven't seen anyone whiny, I haven't seen anything <laughs> wet, but... I haven't bumped into Christopher Luxon yet, which I thought was very clever. And uh, as Jessica Much Mackay points out in her opinion piece, it's kind of a, a little bit of a signal that that Hipkins is, is ready to get scrappy in the election, which um, will be interesting. My pit is that Labour hasn't released their full proper, proper tax policy yet. That's me. All right, they're just pointing to each other. Um, let's go alphabetical order, Benedict. That's fair. Collins. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, Kushler. Kushler. Well... You might recall I signed off last week's podcast with Go the Warriors and pleased to report they had a very (laughs) impressive win against the Canberra Raiders. Looking good for a top eight finish. That's my peak for the week. (laughs) You don't want to talk about anything else that you wanted to highlight, Benedict? Nothing? All right. I agree. That was a pretty good singer. It was good, wasn't it? It was was clearly just up his sleeve because the opening, the question was, what's the reception been like? And he just went with it. Um... But I will, uh, as a pitch, I'll be very sad to, to leave you guys. That um, is very sad. But you will have the mighty Mikey Sherman, and that will be wonderful. Was that oh. your peak? That's a nice little... Yeah. Yeah. All right. That was a, uh, another another One News Inside Parliament episode for you this week. Your peak behind the scenes on the biggest political stories of the week inside Parliament. Do you have a burning political question? Want to hear more from us on a particular topic? Send your feedback to insideparliament at tvnz.co.nz. Head to onenews.co.nz for more insight and follow One News on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. One News Inside Parliament is available on all good and even average podcasting apps where you can also leave us a rating. To finish off, a big thank you to our recording team, Brian and Lisa. Hey, Theodore Wiki, catch you all next week.